0: Amen. Praise God. All right, thank you worship team. Speaking of Marvin and the baseball team, we went up to Boone on Friday night and what a great atmosphere. What a great game. So, I'm not good at names, but I am pretty good at numbers. 19, 34 and 24 pitched the lights out. They just are any of those guys here today, coach? Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Stand up for me. 34 right here, 34. First of all, I told I told Janie I said he should be playing defensive tackle somewhere, not pitching. That's almost unfair, honestly. Good job. So 19, 34, and 24, and then is 30 here, the catcher. I think the catcher got on every time. He was like five, at least for paid, plate appearances. Huh? 28. Who's 30? Who caught? Who was 30? He's not here. He took the day off because he did twenty-eight shortstop. Y'all played good. If you're on the baseball team, just stand up because you want to recognize you. Y'all, y'all come on. Y'all, y'all play good. Y'all played. Y'all, honestly, you did. And, and there was Marcus. You're not. You're not. You're not on the team. Yeah. It was. It was me and Janie and about three other parents rooting, <laughs> and, and Janie's got a whist, whistle, honey, really quickly. So she had people coming over. How do you do that? Like, like she was giving lessons on how. But every time the team would do it, and they won seven to two, I think it was, Coach. It was an amazing game. Good coaching too. It was all coaching. Coach, coaching. The, the coach takes the win. Players take the loss. Coach takes the win. Uh, but really, a cool atmosphere fun time out. We're going to 30. What about 30? You play again on the 30th? June 30th up up there again. So June 30th, they play back in Boone. You got to go. Is it six o'clock again or is it later? Seven o'clock, June 30th in Boone. You got to go. It's a great atmosphere. Uh, and these guys are, like, rock solid. They, they play really, really well. And by the way, on July the 11th, write that down, July the 11th, we're going to try to, we're going to take an offering. We're not going to try. We're going to take an offering to help support them. They're going to Russia, then, on the 23rd of July for two weeks to represent the United States of America uh, in Russia. So, how many you knows that's a that's a really good thing, the cost is astronomical. It's like $60,000. I don't expect to raise all of it. <laughs> but, but we would like to, we want to help, all right? So would you bring an offering? If you can't be here July 11th, bring an offering next week or the week after and just write Russia on uh, the memo or the tied envelope. We're supporting it as if it were a missions trip uh, so that we can send them. They can represent the U.S., they represent Grace Church because they're here this summer. And again, June the 30th, we want you to come up and, and hang out in Boone uh, with these guys. It, it, it'll be a Good time. That's well worth it. Uh, it a great drive, great time. And so um, you got to raise your prices. They're a little costly up there, though. It was $8.50 to get in? Come on. I asked the lady, was that for both of us, me and Janie? And she, said, she laughed. She said, no. <laughs> but our team's worth it. Our team's worth it. Yeah, I would, I'd pay $8.50 again, but don't raise your prices just yet. I mean, I had to get through the weekend. All right. You, you all ready? That, that, that was a good plug for the Catawba Valley Stars. Give it up for them one more time because they are, they are really good. Man, those guys pitch so well. I, I was when you took the mound, thirty-four. I was like, dear God, I feel sorry for those guys. I could hear the heat from where I was sitting. I like, I like watching. I, you got to be at the park to really watch baseball. It's, it's really hard to watch otherwise for me, but. All right, I'm going to preach today. I just wanted to get through some of that. We're going to have some fun. Is that good? We all right? All right. Everybody's good. Online's good. we got people watching. You're good. You're in-house. We talked about the... Uh, downtown. It's coming, it's coming back. I just hate it that you can't be down there, but it, it'll it'll come back. Man cave. Anybody here got a man cave? Like what you would call a man cave? We got a couple. Yeah, Ron's got a man cave. Gary's got a man cave. Yeah, yes you do. Man cave. Oh, Aaron's got a man cave. Got Man cave. So, you know, Batman, or no, Iron Man had a man cave. That's Iron Man's, isn't that cool? Like his little uniforms up there. Like, that would be mine. Everything's, like, in order, like nothing out of place. Those cords bother me a little bit down there below. But other than that, I'd be all right. Batman had a man cave. That's pretty cool, too. I, like, the Batmobile just popping up out of there. And then we got another man cave. This is, like, a, a homemade uh, man cave for Batman, like, movie theater. That's a cool cave. And then we got this one here. I, like, that's kind of weird. But we'll, we'll move on from that. is cool. I mean, it's cool. That, like, if you're into music, that is like an ideal, like, that's, that would be Andrew's man cave right there. This is mine. Not not really. I wish it was. This is not really mine, but this is like, when I dream of a man cave, this is what pops up right here. That's, a, that's ideal. This is like some people's man cave. I, I don't know who, but this is like some people's. And then I think we have one more. This is pretty like, this is almost doable. You know, it's like a garage converted or a basement. That's pretty cool. I don't know what those two brown things are on the wall. Actually, I do know what they are, but uh, we should move on from that. Okay. Uh, (laughs) A man cave. Uh, We're going to talk about a man cave today. It's Father's Day. We're going to talk about men, but we're also going to talk about if you're head of household, if you're you know a single parent, if you're just a young person that needs to know some direction in life, this is what today's message is about. But it's Father's Day, so we're gonna we're gonna kind of kick it off. Let me pray, and we're gonna read a, uh, a couple of scriptures. Father, we thank you, Lord, for fathers in the house. We thank you for heads of household in the house. We thank you for men and young men. We thank you for even boys and girls. Father, we just pray today that we can be attentive, Lord, to your word. And, uh, and, and just be, Lord, just be what you call us to be. Uh, open our hearts to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Uh, everybody said amen. All right, First Samuel, 22nd chapter. We're going to read the first three verses. And the Bible says, David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And that means retreat, by the way, although it doesn't really feel like a retreat when he gets there. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. It's kind of funny because they used to run from David when they left him in the field. Now they're running to David. Things will change as you grow in the Lord. All of a sudden, where you were uh, something nobody looked at, then some people will start to follow you because they see Christ and the anointing in you. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was bitter in soul or disgruntled, King James says, gathered to him and became command. He became commander over them. And there were with him about 400 men and it grew to 600. And David went from there to Mishpah of Moab. And he said to the king of Moab, please let my father and my mother stay with you till I know what God will do for me. David was running from Saul. Saul was the king. He was also his father-in-law. And Saul was trying to kill David because of jealousy. We'll get into that in a moment. But he was running. And so he ends up in this cave. We call it the original man cave. Not something that you would Want to uh, hang out at or go through because there's these 400 men who were just, they were shady, all right? They were less than desirable. They were angry, they were mean, they were in debt. They were distressed. They were disgruntled. They were just, they were guys that were having a bad, bad day. Some of them were having a bad, bad life. And they were mean guys. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But I want to give you four things that maybe will help if you're in a type of man cave. And again, we use man cave. Uh, it could be, you know, uh, again, something just that you're maybe head of house. i We've had man caves in the past. And I have a shed. And it's a, it's a fairly large shed that I go hang out in. And every now and then I'll just, I, we have a car that we don't drive very often. I'll go out and clean the car. We drove it up drove it up to Boone the other night. It handles the mountains really well. Uh, but you, you have to look out for certain things with lights on top. But that's neither here nor there. And then I, I have a motorcycle. I'll go in and shine my motorcycle. That's where I work out in my, in my shed. And so I'll work out. And you say, Pastor, I didn't think you worked out. I do. Just it's been a while. But so... Man cave can look different to different people, all right? Sometimes it is a really cool movie room or something. David's man cave was a a cave of transformation. That's where we're going to get to today. So the first thing I want to give you, the advice out of the man cave is pick friends that will battle with you, okay, not against you. In other words, if we're in a fight, we're in a fight together. We're not in a fight against each other. A baseball team of success and winning breeds success, and success breeds winning. But when you see people having fun, usually it's because things are going well, okay? But when things aren't going well, that's when you really see what you're made out of. That's what you see what what in, what integrity you have, what personality you have, or what thought process you have. So uh, there's a couple of sayings I want to give to you. An old Spanish proverb says, tell me whom you walk with and I'll tell you who you are. See, we, Jim Rome says, not the sports guy, but a sales person, a guru of sales says, you are the average of the five people that you hang around with most. In other words, we would tell our kids, either you're changing your friends or your friends are changing you. You have to know that it's okay to hang around certain people. David changed the mindset of 400 men. What a leader. What a great leader. What a great man. I mean, David uh, was a stud, and yet, you know, he, he had a certain side of him where he wanted to sit and write psalms and write music and play music and another side of him where he wanted to pick up a sword and just go kill people. I mean, he was the real deal in every way, shape, and form and every activity. But he also knew that he could gather people around him. Sometimes an attitude gets us into a situation and a change of attitude can get us out of a situation. David didn't belong in the cave. He wasn't running because he was in debt. In fact, because he beat Goliath, his family was tax-free for life. How many would like to have never have to pay taxes ever again the rest of your life? That's a win, right? Well, that was David. I mean, he was in good shape financially. He didn't have to worry about it, okay? He was anointed to be king. But yet, because he's running from Saul and because he's running for his life, he ends up in a place. And maybe you say this, I go to church, I bring a tithe to the storehouse. I read my Bible. I grab a scripture every day. I'm doing all the right things. I attend class. All right? I honor my parents. I do all the right How did I end up here? Well, maybe it's not even for you. Maybe it's for the people around you. David ends up in this cave so that he can change the 400 men, soon to be 600 men, so he can change the people in the cave because God knows he's going to need those people for a bigger battle. You have to understand that when you pick friends, you might have to go to battle with those guys. These are real deal. Let's read out of 2 Samuel, uh, the yeah, 23rd chapter. Uh, we're going to read four or five verses. These are the names of the mighty men. These are just three people that were in the cave with David, okay? Uh, David had uh, Sheb. Bash-Hebeth. Now, that's a tough name. That's why we call him by numbers, 34, 19, 24. He was a Technomite. He was chief of the three. He wielded his spear against 800 whom he killed at one time. Now, listen, that's a bad dude. This is not fiction. This is reality. This is is a non-fiction part of the scripture. This guy killed 800 people at one time. I want him on my side. Like, that's a, that, that's a guy I want to get to know. He wasn't like that in the cave. David made him like that, by the way. David befriended him. David spoke into his life. David said that he could versus that he couldn't because sometimes people get so beat down in life that they just become who they are because society makes them that way. This is why it's important, church, for us to speak life into people to speak value into people, to speak hope into people. This is why grace church literally is for all people. Why is that? Because God's for all people. And if God's for you, right, who can be against you? It doesn't matter, right? God is for you. So uh, let's go on to the next one. And next to him, among the three mighty men was Eleazar the son of Dodo, son of O'Hohai. I like that name, Dodo, by the way. (laughs) I call our dog Dodo sometimes. He was what David, when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle and the men of Israel withdrew, I think another scripture in Chronicles says that guy killed 300 people. And he rose and struck down the Philistines until his hand was so weary, and his hand clung to the sword, and the Chronicles said they had to peel it off finger by finger. In other words, he swung the bat so many times. He swung the sword so many times, his hand just became part of it, okay? And then he said, and the Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the men returned after him to strip the slain. In other words, they let him do all the work, and then everybody else came in and took the the bounty. And next to him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Heraite. "...the Philistines gathered together at Lehi, where there was a plot of ground full of lentils, and the men fled from the Philistines. But he took a stand in the midst of the plot." In other words, when everybody else ran, Shammah stood there. Can you imagine Shammah? Can you imagine one of your guys with a baseball bat? No, I'm going to take these 30 or 40 on myself. No, he's going to take 300 on himself, because they weren't going to get to what he was trying to protect." He struck down the Philistines and the Lord worked a great victory. Verse 13 I think is our last one. And the three of the thirty men, of the chief men went down and came about harvest time at David, to David at the cave of Adullam, when a band of Philistines was encamped at the valley of And The story goes on to say, and they took care of him boy they did take care of him in a big way. These were David's buddies. Now think about that for a second. You all want someone on your side that you know can defend you. Y'all want someone on your side that you know will have your back and look out for you. That wasn't the case when David went into the cave. He brought an attitude with him of one of perseverance of one of it wasn't about, hey, poor, poor, pitiful me. It was hey, if this is a hand that's dealt me, this is what we're gonna go with. I'm gonna keep walking this thing through until somewhere along the line there comes a breakthrough. You have to know who's part of your battle. You have to know that when you're selecting friends, that they're gonna be on your friends, whether you can buy lunch or not buy lunch, right? Whether you have a, a good season or a bad season, that a friend is a friend is a friend indeed. Amen. The second thing is a man cave should be ripped for restoration and not isolation. Listen, those of you who have a, a man cave or those of you who say, hey, I'm just going to go fishing or I want to go to the golf course or I want to go catch a workout or I want to go on a run or maybe I want to go sit down and play the piano or I want to write a song or a music or a poem. Whatever it is, whatever your getaway is, there's nothing wrong with a getaway. Jesus had a getaway. The Bible says a great deal before daylight, early in the morning, he went up the mountain to pray. The Bible says that he went up the mountain and prayed all night long one time. Another time he said he had to get away to pray. Another scripture says that he went to the temple so that he could read the scripture. It's okay to have a place where you need to get away, but it should be for restoration and not isolation. That's, in, that's critically important. When you start to isolate yourself as a man, a woman, a head of household, if you start to isolate yourself as a young person, if you start to isolate yourself and start to move things away, you become disassociated, and then that brings disorientation. When you're disorientated, then you can't face reality. Everything then becomes just something that is, is is fictional, okay? Or non-fictional. So, uh, fictional, fictional, not non-fictional. It becomes something just of the mind. So David here understands restoration. In fact, he writes about it in Psalms 23. Let's read verses 1, 2, and 3. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Stop there for a second. There's restoration. Restoration. So even David's in a cave. He's isolated from his family. He's got 400 mean, angry men around him. These guys kill people for a living. And he's found restoration in that cave. Christ followers in this house today, be careful that when you do isolate, when you go to a private space, when you go to a private time, it's a time of restoration Not a time of isolation. If you find yourself isolating, the world is revolving around you, and you're not doing what God has called you to do. You're not making the change that God has called you to make. He prepares you for things. He places things, but it's a good. It's good whatever it is, what what whatever it means for you to isolate, however that looks to you. But make it a time of restoration. You should have some getaway time or some alone time. You you need that. Uh, stresses of life, okay? Uh, they they affect everybody. And they affect everybody differently. Some people go out on a run. Some people just go for a walk. Some people, my wife likes to go shopping. That's her. That's her uh, time of restoration. <laughs> and I just say don't spend too much. But there, there's everybody has something that's good. I'm not saying. I'm just saying if you if that's your if that's your cop out. If that's your getaway and you're not addressing the situation, then you have issues. Then you have to make sure that you're being becoming restored. Because your time of isolation that turns into restoration should really refresh you. It should be a time of getting back. Jenny likes to come home and tell me all the deals she got. And I ask how much did the deals cost me? And she'll say, well, this is how much I saved. And, I, and I'll say, uh, well, how much did your saving cost me? And, and she never really as fully discloses it. So then I go to my bank app and I look right away and say, oh, okay, well, I'm glad you had a good restoration time. But I know I'm in trouble when she says you need to go golfing or you need to go catch a workout or you need to go run because I know that my stress level is up to here and now she realizes so you need to go isolate, but don't isolate just to get away, isolate to restore. When We restore ourselves and the Lord finds good things in us and he makes those things happen. Number three, God won't push you beyond your passion. I think in America sometimes we wait for other people to do it. We wait for other things to get done and we look at success, but we don't want to pay the price. And we see David in this cave, and man, David was a, a warrior. David was a, uh, an artist. David was a writer. David was a singer, a psalmist, a, a musician. David was all these great things. David was handpicked by God and, and all these uh, cool things. But he's in a cave, and, and things aren't going so good. David writes three psalms that we know of in the cave, probably more. He writes Psalms 142. He writes Psalms 57. He writes Psalms 34. You can write them down. You can read them this week this afternoon, I'll read them one more time to you, uh, 142, 57, and 34. But when you read them, you recognize that David is being restored, but he also understands that he, we understand he's passionate. In fact, one psalm says that he was on his face before God. Another one says he was on his knees before God. Another one said he was on his feet worshiping God. And so he's writing these psalms in such a way that, God, you have me here. It must be for a plan. It must be for a purpose. It must be for a reason. I'm going to make the best of this situation whether I want to or not. When you make the best of a bad situation, God knows you can handle a good situation. It's when we don't make the best of a bad situation that we have to relearn that thing time and time and time again. And we all have people in our lives we, we know of that you just kind of wish they would get it, right? You, you want to uh, spiritually slap them. Sometimes even physically slap them. Don't slap. Punch. No. No. Uh. I'm only partly serious. Uh, you, we have, you know, you, you like, you, coach, you, want, you wanted to, to learn how to hit the curveball, right? I don't know how you teach that. Hit the curveball. You got to wait on it. You got to sit on it. You got to just, don't swing too early. Just wait for that pitch and then knock it out of the park. This is God saying to us, just wait on it for a second. But if you're not passionate about hitting the curveball of life, God's not going to do it for you. He wants you to learn. We are his children and as children of the Lord, he wants us to obey those things. Like if he says, don't do it, don't do it. If he says, you can't do it, don't do it. If he says, you have freedom, go ahead and releases you to do that, then do it. So this is, the, this is where God says, don't. If David's very passionate about being in the cave and he writes some of the most dynamic psalms in that cave. Number four, the greater your destiny, the greater your enemies. The the success level of David wasn't without trial. He had many enemies. Much of what David did, he did to himself. It was, a, it was a trial and error. It was things that he would do that didn't work out. He looked at the wrong person when he was married. He, he sent that person's uh, husband off to war to die. He, he didn't do functionally right what, what his kids were. He didn't do certain things, but yet God saw his heart. And God says in Acts 13, that he was a man, that David was a man after God's own heart. He also says in 1 Samuel 16 that he looks at his heart, and it's the heart of a person. But you'll have a, a destiny that will have to become, overcome many things in your life. I think uh, four things that David overcame that maybe you deal with some of these today. David, because of his family, had to overcome, one, generational battles, there's things in your family, there's things in your life, there's things that maybe you do that your kids are going to do that maybe you wished they didn't do, but, you're not a, but you refuse to stop that. David could have had a generational battle of offense. Remember when Samuel came to Jesse's house, David's dad, to announce the king, he paraded seven brothers past there, Eliab, Abinadab, Shammah. There were seven that came through. And then finally, Samuel couldn't get a clearance on any of them. David, do you have any more? I do have, or Jesse, do you have any more? There is one up in the field. Let's get him. He's the anointed one. That's the one right there. That's our guy. David wasn't offended that he wasn't invited to the party. He broke that generational curse. And the reason I know that he wasn't offended because the first, the third verse we read today, he said, and David took his mother and father to the king of Moab and said, can I place them here until I know what God has for me? If he was offended, he would have said, mom and dad, you take care of yourself. You left me out in the field to die. You didn't even think I was part of the family when this prophet came you got to be careful that a spirit of offense doesn't rise up in your family or or a spirit of something else. You can break those curses. Can you say amen? You have the right. And if there's a curse that's falling downhill, break it. Just take a time out and say, no, we're not going to do that in our home. We're not going to do that in our family. We're going to break that curse. We're going to break that generational battle. There will be generational battles. He saw that in his family. Number two, there will be battles of jealousy. Saul was extremely jealous about David. And Saul was a warrior. In fact, Saul killed thousands of men, but David killed ten thousands of men. And so he got more adulation. And because of that, Saul became extremely jealous. Twice at the dinner table, Saul threw a spear across the dinner table and tried to kill David. Now, that's not a good meeting. That's not a good family dinner. Like, if you're sitting there and all of a sudden father-in-law pulls out a spear, duck. Move, run, that's what David did. He ran to a cave. There was a spirit of jealousy there. Jealousy is usually birthed in pride. And, and again, this can get us uh, in trouble. Somebody got a better scholarship. Somebody goes to a better college. Somebody goes to a better school. Somebody throws a faster ball. Somebody has a better car, a bigger car, a nicer house. Somebody has a better job. Somebody has a bigger this or a better that. And we get, we start to keep up with the Joneses. And all of a sudden, because of jealousy, because of pride, because of envy, because of strife, we're, we become become the Saul rather than become a David who walked humbly before the Lord. And humble people is who God chooses to bless, by the way. Humble people are the ones that God can work with because they, God knows that then he gets all the glory, all the honor, all the praise, and all the thanksgiving. The cave for David was a place of transformation. And so that's another thing that we can learn, that if you are here today and you are a Christ follower, God wants to transform you. God chooses to transform you. It depends on what we do. The cave wasn't for David to be broken in. The cave was for David to be transformed in. And David goes into the cave, and again, he shouldn't be there. Doesn't need to be there. He doesn't have the qualifications to be there. But not only is he transformed in the cave, he transforms 400 men around him. They become an army. And an army that's unstoppable because they're unified. They're for each other. They got each other's back. They're really in charge of this thing. I mean, they like what's going on. And they lift David up, and they, they lift him up as a king and though he's anointed, he's not even appointed just yet. So you might be carrying an anointing without the appointment just yet, but God's waiting for your transformation. Some people will declare, I am. No, you're not. You're not because you said you are. You are because you've proven to God that you are. And said that in the first service to, to men in the house. If you have to tell everybody in your house that you're the dad, maybe you're not. Don't declare yourself something that you're not willing to back up. Proverbs 20 and 7 says, a righteous man who walks in his integrity, his children are blessed after him. So, listen, men, let's talk to men for a second. Pastor, that's not politically correct. It's not, it's biblically correct. Let's go by the Bible for a moment, okay? Men, be the leader of your household, would you please? Walk in character, walk in integrity, walk in righteousness. Do what the Bible says, do what God says, and then watch how your kids are blessed after you. People will call your kids for jobs and offer them tons of money. Why is that? Because you took a stand. You brought your kids to church when nobody else would. Okay? It's good to run them to every different event. I'm for that. But at some point in time, don't keep putting God on the back burner. Put God on the front burner, put God first, and watch God how, how he puts you first And said, Amen? Somebody say amen. That's a, good, that's a good word right there. It's a place of transformation. Last but not least, as the worship team comes back, it's a proving ground. We see that the cave kept being a proving ground for, for David. We read in 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, about how all of these uh, uh, men that David surrounded himself with, uh, become. They, they, they battle for him. They come and get water for him. They, they kill 800 men. They kill 300 men. They're, they're warriors. And God uses David and these men to take Jerusalem Back, all right. And so, in the, the fact, the king of uh, Jerusalem at the time makes fun of David. You're you're not gonna you're not gonna take care of us with all these with the with this crew here. And David said, "You, we may not have the best army, but nevertheless, we're gonna take that city back." And, and God gives them the power. And so the, when we look at it as proving ground, the testimonies in our life, we don't necessarily want to walk back through again, but they prove to us who they are who we are in Christ. So man, that guy handled that, that sickness so well. Man, that guy, that guy got healed. That guy handled his layoff unbelievably. Man, with a good attitude and, and just good choice. Man, that guy handled th- this or that person handled that or that that lady handled that. That that's such such a a powerful statement. It's, it becomes a proving ground not to who we are, but to who God is in us. And then what happens is we don't prove it to ourselves. We see other people start to look at you and say, wow, what a testimony. What well, what what maturity that person walked in. Stand with me this morning so I can pray with you. We're going to sing one more song. But listen, if you're a head of household, if you're the spiritual leader in your home, if you're a man or woman, if you're here today, I want to speak to every person who uh, this hopefully deals with if you're if you're a christ follower there may be a cave at some point in time in your existence but the cave again is not so that you can be broken down the cave is so that you can prove that that god is, so, is superior that god works in our best interest and our best half that god will take things that the enemy meant for evil and he'll turn around and, and great things will follow And so I want to pray for you right now that the Lord will just open up things in your heart and in your spirit. We're thankful for fathers. We're thankful for heads of households. We're thankful for men. We're thankful for you here today and those watching online but I have a word of caution to you. I think we have to be careful that we're not letting other people raise our children, other people do our discipline, other people be our spiritual leaders. We have to be careful that we're not letting other people do the things that God's called us to do because it's time, it's time to to take our families back. And not in a mean way, not in a, a lordship way, but in a loving, kind way like a good, good father does. And we take our families back and say, wait a second, let's parent for a while. Let's nurture for a while. Let's love for a while. Father, I pray right now with open hearts and open minds, open spirits here, Lord, that we would take, Father Lord, your family back, your people back. Lord, and surrender ourselves to you and all that we do, our hearts, our thoughts, our minds, our actions, Father. We love you. WE DO THANK YOU, LORD, THAT YOU ARE SUCH AN AWESOME FATHER, AN ABBA, FATHER, DADDY. BLESS, LORD, OUR PEOPLE HERE TODAY, AND BE WITH THEM, LORD, IN JESUS' NAME.
1: especially men, be the leader that God's called you to be. I think you'll see such a change in your family and your relationship. If you can just step up and say, you know, I'm going to lead you because that's what the Word tells me to do, and I'm going to do it in love. I think that's so important, the pastor said. So, you know, this this is um, what we celebrate, Father's Day, and you're going to go, and I would just encourage you to call your fathers if they are here if they're not, they've gone home to, to be with the Father, the greatest Father of all, then they're celebrating. Then you just take that day and you just say, you know what, I just remember that, that I was blessed with such a great dad. And then just have a good moment of memory. But if you say, you know what, I, I didn't really know my dad. My dad wasn't in my life. He wasn't a good father. Then you can still celebrate Father's Day by, throughout the day, just take a moment and say, thank you, Father. The creator of the universe, that you love me just the way I am. And no matter what I've done, you still love me. And just take that time and say, happy Father's Day. I love you, Father. Amen. We can do that today. Awesome. Well, Pastor, just pray for y'all already and bless all the dads and everybody. I just pray blessings go with you, favor go with you. This week, whatever you got to do, just ask God's favor and grace to go with you. Open doors, help you in everything you need. So um, have an awesome day and happy Father's Day. Have a donut, cinnamon roll, coffee, and and just be blessed. We love y'all so much. Happy Father's Day, we'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv slash give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.